Hello, my friends. Welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. Paul White here, 26th day of October. Thanks for joining me. Hey, man, we're rapidly approaching the end of the month. That will happen next Tuesday. will be the 31st day of October. And, of course, on the final day of the month, we do our essay edition. My plan is to do the essay the same way in Luke as we did in Mark, which is wherever we are in the text, we stop and we do an essay on that with a little more detail, a little in-depth. So probably, most likely, somewhere in this second chapter, because again, as we've said before, the chapters are rather long in Luke. This one's 52 verses. And so we'll see, but I, I, I feel like we'll still be in here somewhere. Today, we are in the eighth verse. This is the shepherds in the field passage. Let's read, beginning in verse 8. And in the same region, this is, of course, close by the manger. It's not necessarily an adjacent field, but in the same area. There were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, let me interject here. This might be obvious, but we need to bring this up anyhow, because sometimes we think of this as a little too nativity, a little too Christmassy, and we don't think of it in context. Animals in that day and age, uh, shepherds abiding in the fields watching these sheep, these are animals used for temple sacrifice. That's the biggest reason for the use of, or the, 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 the shepherd in that world. The sheep were used as sacrifice. The shepherd made his living shearing those sheep and then selling them in the temple area so that they could be slaughtered. Sheep sold for slaughter, a phrase used in Zechariah, in regard to the kinds of shepherds that Israel had at the prophetic time of the of Christ, uh, those shepherds who show, sold sheep marked for slaughter. Well, why wouldn't they? That's what shepherds do, and that's what sheep are for. When Jesus comes along as the good shepherd, he's setting himself in a position to lay down, he says, I laid down my life for the sheep. That doesn't make sense. Shepherds don't lay their lives down for sheep. Sheep exist to be sold by the shepherd so that they can be sacrificed. Jesus, as good shepherd, turns the entire message on its ear. No longer is the shepherd in the business of exacting from the sheep whatever he wants, he's now in the business of giving his life for the sheep. And it's not supposed to make sense because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to say you are willing to die for a bunch of animals whose entire reason for being alive is so that they can die for you. And so Jesus flips it. But we get the first hint in the quote-unquote nativity scene Uh, that shepherds and sheep are going to play an important role in the understanding of the ministry of Jesus. So this is a group of animals used for temple sacrifice. They're kept out outdoors. They're kept out in the open, even in winter. And the presence of shepherds outdoors doesn't necessarily prove that Jesus is born during a warmer time of year, although it, it does indicate the likelihood might have been there. Um, In any case, the shepherd of that day is pretty despised because 
their work kept them from, prevented them from keeping the ceremonial law. They had to move around the country. They were often regarded as thieves. They were not highly respected. They were often considered unreliable. And they were not allowed, as a profession, they were not even allowed to give evidence in court. So for Jesus to call himself a good shepherd, he's, he's contrasting to thieves and robbers. He's, a, he's put himself in a profession that cannot represent, be, use anything as evidence in court. And yet part of what we know about Jesus is he's a mediator before the Father. He's not a thief and a robber. He's the opposite of the thief and the robber. He's a shepherd unlike the world has ever seen. Verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round, around them, and they were filled with fear. And an angel is always a messenger. In the New Testament, the angel is usually a supernatural messenger from God. And verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. And this is a a reassurance, the same kind of reassurance that Gabriel gave to Zacharias in chapter 1, and then the same reassurance that Gabriel gave to Mary in chapter 1. And then he uses very strong terms. Great joy, good news. I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let me land here today. Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. So if what you hear isn't good news, doesn't bring great joy, and isn't accessible equally for all people, then it's not the message of the Jesus that arrives in Luke chapter 2. It's something else. I don't... don't, I mean, we could we can get into semantics about things you have to talk about and things that are part of the process. I get that. But the overarching message that you receive when it comes to Jesus is three-pronged. It's good, it brings great joy, and it's for everybody. And if it isn't good, and it doesn't bring great joy, and there's anyone that's excluded... They don't qualify, they ain't done this right, etc., etc. You need to question whether you're hearing about Jesus. We'll name him, we'll give his title, we'll follow the cue of the angel on tomorrow's podcast. Have a great day. God bless.